So we stand in the grace of the living Christ as our living hope. I mean, we're a people sitting in this room who have been redeemed and are made alive through Jesus. I mean, we're a people who, though we walk through the waters, He will be with us. He will hold us up. He will carry us. He is our God, and we're His people. And so we invite you um, in this very simple um, invitation, come hope with us. Come hope with us in a hope that is lasting, that is living, that is beautiful, and that is glorious, and that hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And so we just really, uh, we invite you into his holy rescue. We invite you into his ongoing rescue of our lives. We invite you into the covenant community of faith that just simply turns our eyes and our hearts and our feet and our all of who we are to Jesus and says, Lord, let us walk this out, this journey together in you. So come hope with us. I, I want to read from the fifth chapter of the book of Romans and, um, and really just move out of that into some scripture from Zechariah, some scripture from the Proverbs, and just this idea of why we have this hope in Christ and why we should hope together. I began um, this new series last week weekend with this simple statement from a kid's book, All the Better Book. With billions of people in the world, someone should figure out a system where no one was lonely and maybe better said, no one is void of hope. And so um, I think that the living God has figured that system out. It's called the the church. It's called us who are gathered here and we're a place where we are um, singing of the vastness of the wonder of God and the cornerstone reality of who he is. And we invite you to come and hope with us and And a community of faith isn't just a good community, and it's not a group of good people. It's not a group of people who solely love each other or live together in harmony for the sake of the gospel. The the community of hope that God is forming is a body of resurrection. It's a group of people who have been raised to new life in Christ. I was I was walking through our um, our small group this morning and just realizing this beauty and wonder that death is defeated in Jesus Christ. Once and forever, we were really teaching about the second coming of Jesus in the adult world. And I think the student world are just, he's walking us through the waters on this earth. And he will walk us through the waters on this earth because of where we were in our groups. Because, you know, hell is defeated. Jesus is the king of glory. He will return again. He will draw the people that are his into himself. And we will revel in that. Come hope with us. It's a community of resurrection. It's a place where God is moving in spirit and with power. I I love this description found in Zechariah as it describes the people in the ninth chapter, the twelfth verse. It says this of the people of God and why we have hope. Return, you prisoners of circumstance, if you will. He's talking to Zechariah and Zechariah is speaking out. Return Israel, people who are at this point in life struggling and downtrodden for here's who you are. And I would pray this for our church as I walk through um, the journey of Scripture today. You are prisoners of hope. I know that just settled in my soul so vividly. I was, I was reading that and thinking through Zechariah, God, I praise you that I'm gathered with a group of people who are in prison to the hope of the gospel of Jesus. And our lives are just described as this, if if it would be possible for us that we would be described as this, come hope with us, because we are prisoners of this hope that we have, this calling that we have, this purpose that we have in Jesus. 
In the fifth chapter of the book of Romans, I would love to read with you just where Paul speaks of hope that is unimaginable, hope that stirs his life. He, um, he begins with the word therefore, and it just draws you back to this hope of Abraham where by faith God renewed him and made him whole, that he drew this life-giving hope from the living God. And he walked out, as I, I love the prayer this morning, regardless of where God is calling God, regardless of what you ask of us, our answer is like Abram, in faith, yes. We are, we are obedient people because we have consummate We're prisoners of hope in you, Jesus. And so, therefore, we want to flesh out this calling. So, therefore, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So, since we've been declared righteous by faith, you and I stand in peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have also obtained access through him by faith, like Abram, into this grace in which we stand in this moment. And because we stand in grace, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our afflictions. Just want to settle that hope in your heart in a moment with just Holy Spirit, allow the scripture to find deep root in our lives. Lord, we are not only a people of hope, But we're rejoicing in our afflictions because we rejoice in this knowledge that affliction will produce endurance for us. Endurance will produce a proven character within us and a proven character produces hope. So come hope with us because this is why this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. So we, we just stand in this moment in the grace of Christ with the peace of Jesus Christ set apart by Christ, declared righteous in Jesus. And we just, we just come as the body of believers going, Lord, we are prisoners of this hope. So whatever afflictions that you brought into this room, whatever endurance that was needed in this room, whatever character that is being proven in this moment, it is, it is bringing forth within each one of us in this room, if we are in Jesus and our hearts are centered in him, it is producing hope. And hope, when it's produced in that manner, does not disappoint, for it is forged in the very wonder and the beauty of the cross. And the very hope and the essence of who we are in Jesus. And so we are a people who are hoping in the Father, and we we are just moving toward him, and we ask you to come hope with us. And I, I said this last week, and I, I want to really drill down this sentence one more time. It is about a hope that does not disappoint in a world that does. It's about a hope where we just sear into our hearts, Lord. There will be disappointments along the way. There will be afflictions along the way. There will be opportunities to call onto my heart endurance along the way. And holy God, I am praising you right now for every one that you bring my way. For in that you are bringing about proven character, character that is transforming me and renewing my mind into the image and the likeness of Jesus. And so therefore, God, I declare in this moment that I have hope that you are a sovereign king, that you are a good God, and you're a good father, and I trust your hand. And so I'm going to hope with these people. I'm a prisoner of this hope. 
I'm imprisoned by this. And we then, out of that, become a community of, of resurrection. I, I shared my story last week, so I won't back, back into this, other than I want to reiterate some things. There's seasons in our lives that are seasons of affliction where God is building this hope. And we learn in these moments and seasons of dark and pain and suffering and temporal mystery, we learn in these moments that God has this love for me, but more importantly and more critically, His grace is sufficient for that moment. That His grace is more than enough. I was, I was forced into vulnerability in a season of my life about 20 years ago as I just recognized that I do not have the strength to walk through this life. And God, in his grace and in his glory, and listen to what I'm about to say, God, in his grace and in his glory, had provided for me more than I can handle. And I, I, um, I appreciate multiple thoughts on this, and I am by no means new. In fact, this is throughout Scripture. I think we often are under the impression that God will not give us more than we can handle, and we share that tritely. And that, that is true as it comes to temptation. That is absolutely not true as it comes to affliction. In fact, it's the antithesis of that. And I would say to you that the dark season of my own personal life was some of the most beautiful and prolific time where God was dealing with me and proving character and providing endurance and wondering if I had the strength to carry forward. And the answer to that was absolutely not. But in Jesus Christ, the hope was sufficient. The hope was enough. And it was in that vulnerability and in that reality that I began to recognize I did not have the sufficiency to make it as I walked this journey, but I was never intended to to begin. I don't know where you land in that or why it's a great struggle for you, but I would say to you the glory of the cross and the wonder of the sufficiency of Jesus is to come to grips with this reality. You don't have enough. And if you wonder if that's a biblical reality, turn to 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9 and ignore me for the next five minutes and just read all around that passage where Paul just simply says, I was born up with afflictions where I didn't know if I would make it. I was so raveled with afflictions that I had no concept if I could breathe for another moment. And I recognized this, that these afflictions were bearing out within me a weariness of this world, but but a hope that would not disappoint in the reality and the presence of the living God. And it was drawing within me a strength that I did not bear in myself, but it drew me to a source of living water that is the living Christ himself, and I drank deeply there. I invite you in to vulnerability and the sake of brokenness for for the cause of Jesus. Listen, I I say this, and I, I pray you'll receive this so you can hope with us. God is not ashamed of our weakness. He works within it for his sake and his glory for our transformation. And I think we are ashamed of our weakness and brokenness at times. And that perhaps is the greatest struggle of our coming into a room like this or around others and saying, come hope with us. And we sense that we hear that and we don't have the fortitude to share in that journey. And I would say, praise the Lord. For it is in our weakness that his strength is made most manifest. If you think of Mary of Bethany, her tears, her heart mixed with perfume, washing the feet of Jesus, teaching the disciples how to worship. One of the disciples sitting in the room is greedy and looking at her in shame. And here she is pulling out her hair and washing the feet of Christ with the perfume of worship and glory. And in her vulnerability and her brokenness, she taught us of the glory and the wonder of hope. And she taught us of worship. 
And she taught us of what it means to be able to say, this is where we meet Jesus. And maybe more importantly and more beautifully, this is where the aroma of Christ is made manifest among the body of believers. Come hope with us. Hope beyond your strength. Hope beyond what you have. Come and hope in the reality and the presence and the person of Christ who in this very moment has declared you at peace with himself, who has placed you in the place of grace in which you currently stand, who has brought you and bought you in the blood of his cross and in his resurrection has made you alive with Jesus. Come and hope in that, not in your strength, but come and prevail in the midst of your weakness so that his strength is perfected in you. That's the beauty and the wonder of a faith community, and we become a community of resurrection when this is happening among us, when there's vulnerability and authenticity. I I wrote this sentence, and this is not original with me. This is original with Scripture. Our need for Jesus is beautiful for him. Our need for Jesus is beautiful for him because it is truly our spiritual act of worship. As we come and we offer ourselves, the scripture says in Romans 12, as we come to worship and to meet Jesus, and ultimately, as we come to be renewed into the very image of Christ and to have our hearts and minds renewed according to the scripture, it begins where we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, offering everything that we have as worship to him, saying, here it is, Lord, let it be an aroma for your glory and your goodness and your grace. When I hunger for Jesus, even And I hunger for Jesus, even the hard places satisfy. That's a a significant sentence. Grief gives way to joy. Endurance gives way to character. Character gives way to hope. And hope does not disappoint. The proverb writer is very wise, and therefore he wrote the Proverbs. To those who are hungry, even the bitter tastes sweet. Contextualize that with Romans 5. Contextualize that with the theology of what we are speaking in this moment, our desire for vulnerability and our desire for authenticity and our desire to be weak so that the the strength of Jesus is sufficient and made whole in us, even in the bitter. There's a sweetness and a joy of the aroma and the goodness of Christ. Even in the darkest place, I see the face of God and I hear his voice and I trust his hand. I was um, walking last week and just saw a very practical way of how this um, plays out. Even in the midst of bitter and sorrow and challenge and hurt and wonder, God brings sweetness and joy. And this is one of the sacred moments I get to be a part of. Um, I saw this, this pop up on a social network feed and it just said about one of our ministry partners in Haiti, it just said, um, you know, we have need, there's some challenges, blah, blah, blah. And it went on about that. And so I read it and, and just prayed because that's, that's what I would do with that. And in the middle of our bitterness, there is sweetness and there is wonder and there is joy. And so I'm, I'm literally sitting, I believe I was sitting on my back patio that evening and my phone rang and um, a friend just shared with me and he didn't say these words, but he was just saying, Mark, there's this bitter thing going on and I want you to hope with me. And I, and I love what he then moved on to say. So he said, um, a while back, I think it was May of this past year, I sold a possession of mine. Uh, this person's a part of this church. He's probably sitting in the room right now. I sold a possession of mine, and I've just seen a sweet need that God has. And this was something I did not need. And so I've set that aside. And so um, can you uh, just take this bitter situation and make it sweet for the sake of the glory of God? And I love being a part of community of hope like that. 
And so I, I would just say, come and help with us. I mean, just at points when you just realize you have a pet possession in your hand and you're not really clear what to do with it, but the Lord has just said, that's enough of that, and you sell it, just put it away for a moment when the bitter is going to be sweet, because that is a hope community. And I, that could be the end of the story, but it, it even got one step more beautiful, because I immediately then texted um, the, the U.S. ambassador for this ministry, and I just said, you know, this is the amount of money that's going to come your way. I'm going to have it to you by Thursday. Um, just know that. And I didn't hear from her, which was unusual, for about two hours. And then she wrote me back. And she said, I was actually sitting in with the board. And we were just praying. And your text wrote in. And I thought, okay, let's connect these dots now. In May, the Lord spoke to a person and said, sell something and put it away. A need was made manifest in August. And this person read that need, responded to that need, called me. We got the check to the right place two days later. So I text out to a board who happens to be meeting that night from the obedience of a bidder that turned sweet and met a need. And we're just kind of sitting in. And she said, I just want you to know there was mild jubilation. No, scrap that. There was jubilation in the board meeting as we met. I, I, even the bitter, when we're a part of a community, that's what I want you to understand, that God is moving throughout this faith community and far beyond this faith community, but his church, his body of believers, he is moving in profound ways. And you should hope with us, O prisoners of hope, that even the bitter tastes sweet in the moments when God is at work and when moments when one side of the equation is saying we have no idea how we're going to work through, another has already spoken through the Holy Spirit to an individual to say, here's how one breakthrough is going to happen. Come hope with us. It's a beautiful community believing that God is good and we have tasted his goodness. Here's the second thought. First, that we're a prisoner of this hope we have, and our hope is complete, and yet it's being completed. And it's critically important. I read, I just share this, not out of my wisdom, but out of the wisdom of Scripture in Philippians 1. This is our confidence we have as a people of hope. Our confidence is rooted in this truth, that he, being Jesus, who started this work in us, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. This is hope. This is the hope in the bitterness. This is the hope in the endurance. This is the hope as the character is being forged. This is the hope when it's bitter, but it will be sweet. God is doing his work and it will not diminish. His, we lift holy hands before the Father and we say we trust you. God, you are at work. The scripture tells us that the work of Jesus Christ is completed and yet even in its completion, he is completing it. And so right now, whatever that great thing that's turmoil for your soul, God has completed that work and he is completing it. That just made my heart so rejoice in him. God, right now there are things that are afflictions that are all over this room. That they are, there are maybe points where we're beginning to see the character of Jesus flow out of this room. Maybe they're at the point where hope is beginning to burst forth. And there are varying places where all of us sit. And I want you to hear this, that the work is completed and it is being completed. And that God is carrying it forward through Jesus Christ until the day that he returns. Glory to God. And so it is a hope that we worship him. In our poverty, we give praise. In our pain, we give wonder. In our mystery, we ask God for clarity. In our paucity, we praise him for plenty. 
I have no better example of this than the picture that is coming up on the screen and my daughter who is walking up now to hang out with me for a minute. I have no better picture of the wonder of, of the hope that holds us together. Um, Cynthia was just in Swaziland for the last um, week and a half. And you, you can grab one of the mics and they'll follow you, Chad, whichever one she grabs. And she was in Swaziland and she just, we, we got to sit and I, I wish we could just pull up a chair and do like we did the other night. I don't know. Anybody techie want to come help her turn this on? And I'll just keep talking because I have some things to introduce this anyway. In, in the paucity and in the, in the poverty of Swaziland where she served, there was extraordinary hope. And, and we sat for just an hour, hour and a half, and God just opened her eyes. And she's been in a third world country before. But he just opened her eyes not to what it means to go help or feed, but what it means to live out Romans, the fifth chapter, where there's this hope that is being carved out through Jesus. And so um, she wrote a poem that our family read on the way home, and I asked her if she would just simply read the poet poetry of hope. But um, Cynthia, I think, have you got a mic working? Yes. I, did you want to share something before or just um, go straight to the poem? Um, yeah, so I was just kind of taking in this view. Um, we were doing a house visit um, up under the kids that day. Maybe I went with Jennifer to snap this picture real quick and I was just kind of breathing in the view and um, taking in the house maybe clay and sticks and then just the beauty of the mountains behind it um, and I felt just the spirit just speak to me these words so I will share them um, I wrote generations of love built on a faith focused above poverty so painful to see you wonder how can it be praises of joy are ringing as children are constantly singing Gratitude and small gifts, their devastation begins to lift. With holy hands lifted, our gaze remains shifted, pierced on Calvary to say, we're no longer slaves. In unison, we give thanks to our God and Savior, our guidance and protector. I think one of the things that you spoke into our family that was so powerful was just the freedom that was the response of worship. And there were, there were 150 women. They were expecting 25? Yeah, 20. And so 150 women gathered in Swaziland, and she just said chains were just falling as, as people who, would, who were bearing afflictions and who were walking and learning of endurance and who, um, who are filled with hope. I love the last sentence. In unison, we give thanks to our God and Savior. He is our guidance. He's our protector. He is our sovereign king. Thanks. Yeah, she's like, what do I do now, Dad? I, I would just say this of a, to a group of ladies in Swaziland, and I would say this to a group of people in, Crest, in Crestview, yeah, in Jacksonville. Our hope is complete, yet it's being completed, and we're prisoners of that reality. So come hope with us. I want to read and share Zechariah and then close in prayer. Return. The first word is critical because it assumes that we have walked away. And I have no doubt that in, in this room there are some of you that need to hear that first word. Return. Your affliction does not define you. Your capacity for endurance does not define you. Return. As a prisoner of hope. Return to me, says the Lord, and I'll 
I will fill you with my presence and with my wonder. I was truly wanting to understand what Zechariah meant when he said he was a prisoner of hope, so I just began to read the words of the prophet, and I can't sit here for the next two hours sharing with you everything, so I'll share three of those things. I'd said so much yes to the truths of what Zechariah would be about. It was essentially Romans 5, 1 through 5. Isn't that the beauty of Scripture, that it's cogent from start to finish, that the story of the redemption and the work of Christ is unceasing? And it says of this, I am coming to dwell among you, and this is my declaration that I will dwell among you. This is in chapter 2, verse 10 of of Zechariah. In chapter 2, verse 11, it says, I will join nations to you. I just was thinking of Cynthia as I read this verse, thinking, God, I will pull together nations, and there will be a wondrous hope that does not disappoint among the nations because of who I am to them. And we are, in chapter 3, verse 2 of Zechariah, we are burning sticks that can snatch from the fire. That's a description of Joshua in this moment, as the evil one is sitting and throwing accusation at him, which often happens in our greatest moments of affliction and turmoil, that we are bombarded with accusation and with affliction, and with turmoil, and we're wondering what's going on. And it says of, of Joshua, you are a burning sni- a, you're a burning stick snatched from the fire. That's the declaration made over us. We have experienced the unmatched, unprecedented, unmerited favor of God in Christ. We have the peace of God in Christ. We have the wonder of God in Christ. We have the hope of God in Christ. And this is who we are. And he has snatched us from the fire of his judgment. And he has imbued us with peace that surpasses understanding. With a hope that does not disappoint. And with the declaration of his glory that stands over us. But I love this. In Zechariah 3, 5 through 8, his bitter, dirt-riddled clothes are removed. And he is robed in the righteousness by the living God. For the living God. Of the living God. And I begin to think in that manner and say, this is hope in a lifeless situation that we were robed in our best and it was riddled and dirt filled. And the living God has robed us in hope, robed us in righteousness. And that is where lifeless situations are filled with hope and peace. The declaration of who the living God is. This is where we look into the impossible. We venture into the lion's den. We run onto the field of the giant. We step into the fire of the furnace. We call down the presence and the power of God to come and breathe among us. We put our hands under the pillars and we push against the impossible. And we know in that moment, we know in every one of those moments, in our own moments, that we carry within us a hope that does not disappoint. For we have been far more than snatched from the fire. We have been robed in the righteousness of the living Christ. And it's complete. Yes, I am. And we are free. As prisoners of hope. Hope this captures us. I close with this scripture. This hope does not disappoint. I just simply want to read Isaiah 61. O ye prisoners of hope who are in the midst of completion. We are promised that God heals the brokenhearted. He proclaims liberty to the captive. He speaks freedom to the imprisoned. 
He comforts those of us in this room who are in mourning. He provides for us beauty rather than the ashes of our circumstance. He gives to us in this room, he gives to us as his children, beauty, wonder, hope, and a passion. The passion that flows from the ashes of our circumstance and from our affliction. Hope with us. Isaiah 61 said, please make it a festive hope in the midst of the morning. Be robed in righteousness rather than despair. Be a planting of the Lord, righteous trees, oaks of righteousness, and this is the reason for and through which we have hope. We are a people who are a display of the splendor of the living God. Would you, through the grace of Christ and in the hope in Jesus and the peace that pours from him, would you come and let's hope together for that hope that we hold will not disappoint. Lord, I would love to tell you again in song, in worship, and with fullness of hearts that you are great, Lord. God, I would praise you if we could simply say to you, many of us in the midst of a bitterness, there's sweetness, Lord, and you are working this to completion. Oh, Father, I pray that you would just pour that hope into us in this moment. God, I pray that you would draw out those who are in this room just dealing with affliction and oppression, with suffering and sorrow. God, I pray that there would be a trust in you that is just driven deep into the soil of the richness of who you are. God, for those of us in this room who are holding fast to the jacket of our goodness, I pray that we would strip off that rubbish and we would allow you to robe us in the righteousness of the living Christ. Oh, holy God, I pray that you would move in this room, that you would bring balm to souls, that you would bring healing to situations, that you would bring hope that does not disappoint. For greater you are. And our lips declare that greatness. Church, some of our pastors will gather here at the front. Some of us in, in prayer, all of us pursuing Christ. We're going to sing a closing song, and if you would, in that song, just worship, and your desire of worship it has someone to pray over you, we would count that a joy. If you want to bypass us and just make your way to an altar, you would count that a joy. If you would like to talk about what it means to know this hope that does not disappoint, it is not an ethereal character trait. It is the living person, Jesus. We would love to introduce you to him. Whatever is written being written on your heart, just simply respond in this moment in worship with hope for glory. So as we sing this song, would you stand with me? Would you worship with me? Would you kneel with me and pray with me? Would you seek Christ with me? You give life, Lord.